0: You're listening to That Girl With Influence, and I'm the host, That Girl, and welcome to season two. If you're listening right now, here at That Girl With Influence, we are all about helping and giving tips about how to become a better influential you. This podcast isn't just about influence, but it's about impact, and it starts right where you are. Changing the way you see life will create a difference in your environment. hey guys and welcome back to that girl with influence I'm your host that girl and I'm excited to have you guys here today welcome um, it is a wonderful day outside it's beautiful out there um, and so it makes the perfect day for us to talk about emotions I know that sounds crazy right maybe on a rainy day we should talk about emotions um, but on this episode of emotional experiences I um, We're just going to talk about it. I mean, some of us understand that this word, okay, it is very well within us, whether you're going through premenopause, whether you're going through pregnancy, um, whether you're an empath or whether you're just dealing with depression, right? Um, We deal with the mood swings. We know what emotions are. Um, But let's talk about controlling those emotions, Okay, emotions as we know can either make or break you and your relationships with others. For instance, I deal with emotions on a high scale. Um, I have mood swings galore. Okay, one minute I'm like ha and the next minute I'm like what? <laughs> um, and I couldn't figure out why I was so mean and so sad sometimes. Um, and then there would be days where I just had this burst of energy and I'm happy, and and it will take my boyfriend really to tell you that I just like go overboard when I'm super energetic. He'd be like, why you got so much energy? <laughs> um, and. But the real thing is, is that there are some days where I would sit back, okay, in a quiet room and think a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts. And some were good and some were bad, but I could sit there and replay every negative word in my head until I was tired. Like, I would just sit there and I would hear everything negative. Um... And there was a day that I stumbled upon where I did actually become tired. I became tired of being here on this earth. I got tired of dealing with the emotions, got tired of dealing with the negative and things like that, that I just kept, I guess, drowning my own self in. And we tend to do that with our emotions. Um, Things like, I'm not a good mom. I'm not capable. I'll never get there. Played around in my head so many times and I couldn't really understand why um as many um of you who are listening some of you may be um well known of who I am and know that I did do study of psychology um for a term and I kind of took a break in between Um, but learning about psychology and learning about the system, it never left. It was always inside of me because mental health meant a lot to me because it played a lot of roles in my life and in my situations and in my experiences. So one of my experiences is when I sent my son to spend time with his dad, um, (laughs) which is unusual, right? (laughs) Unusual in this world nowadays because you got baby mamas, baby daddies, and sending your baby off to be with his baby daddy is like an abomination to some moms because the single mom world was just large, (laughs) at an all-time large. Um, But when I sent my son to spend time with his dad, for some moms, they told me that, you know, they felt sorry for the situation or they couldn't understand why I would do that. And honestly, while they were saying that to me, and it's all about perception and how you perceive someone else and how they're talking to you, because people, and let's just stop right there, people don't understand that when you say something to someone, you cannot control how they perceive it. So when they perceive what you say, it's all on them, whether they take it negative or whether they take it positive, and you can't control that. You can't control that. So thinking that you can control, you know, how someone takes something, you can't, you know, you you just can't. And so for me, how I perceived what they were saying to me, you know, for them, it may meant that they were just, you know, they just felt bad about the situation or they hated that for me or, you know, but all that I could hear was I'm not a good mom. I sent my son off to stay with his dad for a while so I could get things in order. I'm not a good mom because for how I felt for myself. See, I believe that how we perceive certain things when someone's talking to us is also how we feel about ourselves. And internally, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not a good mom because I I sent my son (laughs) off, you know. And this played into my mind so much until I looked at my boyfriend in the face and I said, I don't feel like a good mom. And he asked, baby, why? Or he tried hard to speak positive, but I had already made up in my mind because negative words stick longer than positive. I had already made up in my mind that I was not. And after dealing with these emotions, I was later diagnosed with clinical depression. I know, right? Me talking to you, that girl diagnosed with clinical depression depression I couldn't face myself I couldn't look at myself I didn't feel good about myself I allowed my emotions to control me and who I was and how I identified myself but there was something I didn't understand okay and this plays a part into what I initially studied um, about the brain and about the body I stepped away from the side table right (laughs) but i loved absolutely love and i still do love learning about mental health it's just a part of me and inside the brain okay let me break this down for you inside the brain there are three parts one of the parts is called the cerebium which is the largest part of the brain okay and it has a lot of power and plays a lot of roles in our body well underneath that sits the limbic system Okay, which breaks into three parts as well. I don't know why everything's broken down into three parts. Don't ask me. I didn't create it. <laughs> but it breaks down into three parts. The hypothalamus, the hippocampus, and the amygdala. I know, hard words to pronounce. I don't even know if I pronounced them right, but we're just going to say I did. <laughs> Studies show, though, that the hippocampus reminds us of the course of actions that are congruent with our mood. Where am I going with this? The hippocampus shrinks in someone such as myself with chronic depression. It shrinks. It's big, right? But it shrinks with someone like me. Why is that? It causes vague and non-specific recall of personal memories, right? Something new to learn for your day. You know, if you're trying to learn something new, there you go. Listen to my podcast, you'll learn a lot of things. But where I'm getting to is that emotions are typically caused by some form of experience. The wondering questions, the unanswered, you know, the impatience, it's caused by something. So lately, as I was trying to understand how to become a better individual in regards to being emotionally available in a non-emotionally available world, okay, when it comes down to parenting, family, and relationships. I was trying to understand that till I recognized it comes with boundaries. And boundaries, oh, boundaries is a big word to use because nobody likes to use boundaries. I mean, everybody wants to be cleaned up and nobody wants to tell anybody no, right? And that's me, I, I fall within that. I would not want to tell anybody no sometimes. I wanted to be there for everybody. But it comes with boundaries and the ability to not let anyone or anything take advantage through manipulation, humiliation, or attacking your emotions. Wait a minute. Attacking your emotions? <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, right? I mean, humiliating me is one thing, but you're manipulating my emotions yes, that is a thing, guys. Manipulating your emotions. And you don't want to do that to others. You want to make sure you're not doing that to other people. Things we say to ourselves and to our children, okay, this is going to hurt some of you, but it's going to be okay, okay, because it's never too late to change it. But things we say to ourselves and to our children that our mothers and grandmothers or grandfathers and fathers have said to us, thinking that it was the best way to speak to a child or the best way to raise a child and and look at you now and you're doing better, but yet they may look like they're doing better because they have a degree or they went off to be a doctor or went off to be a lawyer, but yet they're internally messed up. Right, But we wanted to make sure that when we're raising children, we're raising them with purpose, and raising them with care, and we're raising them so that internally they feel good just as they look on the outside. But things we say like, stop crying, they hear, stop feeling. Because feelings are not good, not in this world. Feelings are not good. When you hide them and suppress them, You feel better, but what we are teaching our children is the first step of how to pretend. Because it's better to not show that you're hurt and to suck it up than to let it go. Men often teach boys or their sons, you know, be strong, don't cry, don't shed a tear, don't let them see your tears, don't let them do that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make them weak it doesn't show a sign of weakness. And for most Christians, I would like to say this. If you believe in a God that defends you, that stands for you, then crying shouldn't make you feel weak. It should make you feel like I'm gonna step, I'm gonna take a step back. And I get it, some children don't understand that yet, because the mind doesn't allow them to process certain things as of yet. It's too too small to process certain things. They're learning still. But as for adults, if I cry in front of you, that doesn't make me weak. It makes me vulnerable. And it helps me to understand that I have a God that defends me. And I know that this hurts me. And I feel these emotions, so I'm going to let it ride. We often say as Christians to let it go. And to let God, but what are you letting go of? If you push down how you truly feel, what are you letting go of? Nothing. There are two networks inside the brain, right? The autobiographic memory and the cognitive control. Now, we're gonna call the autobiographic B, just because it rolls off the tongue weird. So the auto B, right? Is when someone is preoccupied with thoughts concerning themselves. And it cuts off the cognitive control, which is required so that you will be able to focus on the tasks that's in front of you. Get this, if these two do not work properly, they will be defined as a mental disorder regarding the mood. And the two major types of mood disorders, as studies have shown, is depressive, and bipolar. If you are forcefully pushing back your emotions, then you are teaching one of your networks to stay on, which is dangerous and not good. And it's also that depression happens when the auto the autobiographic memory, trauma, what daddy said, what mommy said, is stuck on at all times. If it stuck on at all times, like, remember the story I told you at the very beginning of this episode, me just sitting there replaying the negative thoughts, replaying the memories, replaying the trauma that has happened. And it almost took me out of this world. If I sat there and let my autobiography memory stay on at all times, then something was wrong, right? That is how I got diagnosed with the clinical depression. Because when you are suppressing the other, you can't focus, make a decision, and you can't think clearly because you're stuck on on at all times. Controlling the emotions, okay? Emotional experiences means getting help. Getting help is not bad. Getting help is not an abomination. Getting help does not make you crazy. In fact, I got help through therapists. I got help through a psychiatrist. I got help in, through medication, okay? And the medication, ugh, I love it when someone says, medication, oh, you're crazy, you're insane. No, you are not crazy and insane. If you have to take medication, because believe it. Your hormones and things, even when you're pregnant and, and you're going through certain things, pregnant women can become um, they can become depressed as well. That's why they call it um, postpartum depression because you can become depressed as well. After you have the baby, you feel a certain type of way. You don't feel the same. Things start to bother you. Those are all negative emotions. So these people that have to get on, you know, medications. What it is is that the medications are there to fix the um, to fix the neurons that are inside of the brain, and so that both networks can work together. So they're fixing your networks so that they work properly. Not that you're crazy. It's just that one of your networks are on. And the other is being suppressed so when you go and get help right this means that you are taking the time to beware and to reset and resetting is good when you're dealing with so many emotional experiences reset 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 and be wearing is good Beware of your triggers. Beware of what makes you feel this way. Beware of your impatience to that child screaming or, you know, these things going on that's surrounding you. Beware of that. When you are doing therapy, the job of the psychologist is to train you on how to strengthen, to be mindful, and disrupt the dominant network. So if my dominant network was my autobiographic memory, controlling all of my negative emotions that I felt and they were on at all times and that's why I could not pull away from the daydream. And guess what? I have to learn how to strengthen by learning how to make my cognitive control stronger. This is a different way of learning about the emotions that we experience. this is a different way of learning how to control the emotions that we experience. Dealing with clinical depression was very hard for me. I did not think that me, a hyper <laughs> hyperactive, <laughs> um, full of energy, um, the ball of love that you see when you walk past her in the streets, I didn't think that you would that I would be faced with that. there are people out there that we don't think are faced with that there are people out there that we think oh they're just good they are always positive they are always that but we don't know them on the inside I wonder what would happen if we were more careful with our delivery of our words if we thought about how we would perceive something and say it to the other would that help If we thought instead about how this person may receive what we say, would that help? Saying and teaching our children certain things, we are wanting to teach them how to be stronger individuals. Instead, we're so focused on them not being weak that we are actually creating a weakness. Because depression is a weakness. When you're depressed, you don't wanna do anything. You don't wanna talk about anything. You don't wanna focus on anything. You don't even look at light of day when you're depressed. But if we can tap into the emotional side, and if we can help as parents, as individuals, strengthening not only our own, but our children's as well, then maybe we could break something within our generation. So that the unemotional, unemotionally available world becomes emotionally available. Because emotions don't make you weak, it allows you to let it go and to let go.